0: doing well as we get you ready for the weekend if you don't like that with grant napier i'm going to spend a couple of moments on the podcast today talking about the situation in sacramento with the kings and marvin bagley and once again lebron james can't help himself we'll talk about that we've got our q a from crowd ultra and as always grant's rant Today's podcast is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento for all of your plumbing needs and repairs. And remember, they're available to you around the clock. twenty. 20- Four, seven. Just go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. They have got a fix for you. Again, folks, they are available 24-7. Keep them in mind the next time you have any plumbing issues, plumbing repairs, yep, they've got a fix for you. newworksplumbing.com, M-E-W, that's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. All right, I've been getting a lot of people asking me about Marvin Bagley and the Sacramento Kings. The Kings have now lost 5 of 7. They opened up this current four-game road trip with an embarrassing loss in San Antonio. Now, I would just say this. The Kings were not as good as their 140-point effort against the Charlotte Hornets only a couple of nights ago, and they're not as bad as they looked in San Antonio when they opened up this road trip with a disastrous loss where they were not competitive, all right? So let's keep that in mind, all right? Going into tonight's game against Oklahoma City, they have a record of five up and seven down. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that Tyrese Halliburton is the Kings' most viable player. I mean, look at the last two games without Halliburton. They had a comeback in the fourth quarter when they were getting blown out against Phoenix. They lost, but still, they had a comeback. Then, against San Antonio, they looked lost. And Tyrese Halliburton was down on the floor for either game. Darren Fox has been completely ineffective until the Spurs game when he put a season-high 37 on the board. But the Kings were never competitive in that game. Hopefully, Halliburton plays tonight when the Kings play game two of this four-game set against Oklahoma City. And if the Kings are able to win two of these next three games with Detroit maybe the worst team in the NBA on the schedule before Minnesota, the Kings will at least come home feeling okay that they salvaged two games on a four-game road trip. Now, I want to get to Marvin Bagley. Sean Cunningham of ABC10 Sacramento reported that several sources told him that Marvin Bagley refused to go into the game against the Phoenix Suns. There was also a video shot from ABC 10 showing Marvin shaking his head and some players going up and giving him a pat on the back and assistant coach Doug Christie actually going up, shaking his hand and then giving him a pat. My question is this. Marvin Bagley has been a colossal disappointment for the Sacramento Kings. He was not given an extension this offseason, nor should he have. He didn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. And no way in the world the Kings would give him a new deal. Marvin Bagley, by all accounts, did not have a good preseason. Also was out with a sore knee. And from what I understand, he didn't exactly win anyone over with what happened in training camp. So he started the season... Out of the rotation. His agent Jeff Schwartz said leading up to the opener in Portland he blasted the Kings management, said it was ridiculous, blah, 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 and said if that were the case, the Kings should have moved him before the deadline last year when they had a chance or in the offseason. I am not privy to negotiations in whether or not they could have moved Marvin Bagley, but they obviously did not move him because he is still on the Sacramento Kings. Now, let's go back to the game, Phoenix. If Sean Cunningham is accurate, and if Luke Walton told Marvin Bagley to go into the game and he refused, there are a couple of things that come to mind. Number one, what the hell are any of his teammates doing giving him a pat on the back? That's number one. Number two, what the hell is Doug Christie doing going up, shaking his hand, and giving him a pat? You know what should have happened? He should have been, he should have been taken off the floor, He should have been told to go into the locker room and if you don't want to play, then you're not part of the team and then the Kings should have, in my opinion, suspended him for conduct detrimental to the team. I don't know about you, but when you're getting paid that kind of money to play basketball and you were told to go into the game by your head coach and you refuse, in my opinion, that is conduct detrimental to the team. You know, we're not talking about freaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar here. We're talking about Marvin Bagley, all right? We're talking about Marvin Bagley, who in the offseason put out some tweets on social media that were alarming about his lack of desire to be in Sacramento. The Kings have to, have had to endure Marvin's father putting out ridiculous tweets. They had to put out, or they had to endure a ridiculous tweet from an uncle in relation to De'Aaron Fox last year. So the Kings have had to deal with some headaches and Marvin Bagley. And they have given Marvin a lot of opportunities to prove himself. After all, Marvin Bagley has started a lot of games when he is healthy. So if you're not going to play Marvin, then why keep him? Figure out a way to move him. But in the interim... If you're going to tell him to play and he doesn't, why is he allowed to stay on the bench? Why are some of his teammates going up and talking to him and patting him on the back? And why is Kings assistant coach Doug Christie going up and shaking his hand and giving him a pat? Like, what is that all about? Again, to me, in that situation, the player should be told to leave the floor and go into the locker room. And then after that, the general manager, in this case, Monty McNair, in my opinion, should suspend the individual for conduct detrimental to the team. That's how I see it. And the reason why I say that is the Kings do not owe Marvin Bagley any favors. They've had to put up with a lot of headaches for Marvin Bagley in his camp. I mean, if you want to make a documentary on how not to be a professional when you're drafted, In the NBA is a high pick. Just study the case of Marvin Bagley and his family. Now, Marvin gets hurt a lot. All right. That's just the way it is. I'm not saying he's getting hurt on purpose, but the reality is he is getting hurt and getting hurt often. And it has really hurt his growth as an NBA player. Now, let me get back to the San Antonio game. Marvin was the only player on the Kings who did not play. I'm guessing that Luke Walton said, you know what? Don't ever do that to me again, meaning in Phoenix or in Sacramento against Phoenix. And this is Luke's way of saying, hey, you know what? I run the show here, not you. But if you want to move Marvin Bagley, isn't the best way to move Marvin to get him on the floor in a game like San Antonio and hope that he opens up eyes and shows other general managers that he can play, and that he would be worth a trade. I don't blame Luke Walton here for not playing Marvin Bagley if Luke told him to play in the Phoenix game and he did not. I get that, but you got to kind of look at the bigger picture here. And the bigger picture is that the Kings and Marvin Bagley are not going to have a long-term marriage. That's just it. Plain and simple. That is just it. So in a nutshell, I don't understand the players and Doug Christie, you know, making Marvin Bagley feel good because he ignored the coach's request to go into the game. And when I mean make him feel good, why do that? Why do that? So I wanted to put that out there. And again, listen, I understand... It was a bad loss, but it's one out of 82, just like the Charlotte game was one out of 82. And there is still time to turn this road trip around, and it starts tonight with Oklahoma City. Now, if I come on Monday and we're talking about a loss to Oklahoma City and a horrific Detroit team, then at that point, maybe we've got some issues. All right, I want to move on to LeBron James. I do not understand LeBron James. I do not understand his irresponsibility on social media. I've been very clear about this very often during my podcast. First and foremost, I have the utmost admiration and respect for LeBron James as a basketball player. I love watching LeBron James play basketball. I believe he is one of the very best players of all time. Is he the best? You know, listen, that's subjective. I believe he is one of the top three players, personally, that I've watched in my 32 years of announcing NBA basketball, all right? My issues with LeBron James have absolutely nothing to do with him on the floor. Nothing at all. Love watching him play. Big fan of his as a basketball player. I was blessed to be asked to narrate his first ever Nike commercial as an NBA player. I mean, I got a lot of history with LeBron. I announced his first ever NBA game. Again, I have no issues with LeBron James as a basketball player, but LeBron can't help himself. I think he is socially irresponsible. I believe that he fits into Mitch's album and what Mitch said last summer or two summers ago now after Deshaun Jackson's anti Semitic comments, right? where where he said you cannot be selective with your noise, not against hate. Well, LeBron continues to be very selective with his noise and very selective with his social media tweets. 50-plus million followers, right? And the trial that is going on involving Kyle Rittenhouse testifying during his murder trial on... Wednesday. LeBron puts what tears with five question marks. I didn't see one. Man, knock it off. That boy ate some lemon heads before walking into court. Now, everybody's entitled to an opinion. I believe that. But I believe that in LeBron James' situation, when he has over 50 million followers, On social media, he owes it to others, millions of others, to be more responsible, something which he obviously does not give a damn about. It's been very interesting to look at some of the reaction on social media from people with blue check marks. I don't even have to mention the names, but I want to make sure that you knew that these were verified people. Here are some of the responses to the LeBron James tweet. You're a coward. Oh, and would you be saying this if he weren't white or if he held the same political view as you did? Here's another one. Says, one of the biggest cowards of all. We go on. You're literally known as the king of faking injuries, flopping and crying the refs. Maybe sit this one out. Another one. These are all blue check marks, by the way. You colossal prick. Another one. Wow. Just wow. And it goes on. You are a remarkably immature person using your platform to mock a teenager like a 12-year-old trying to impress his friends. It moves on. If you buy anything he endorses or watch NBA games, this is what you're subsidizing. You're a genuinely terrible and unintelligent person. LeBron is a very low IQ individual. There's only one American king, and he's buried in Memphis. Daily reminder that LeBron is a piece of garbage. It should give you pause if you're ever on the same side as this guy, one of the most consistently morally awful people. Hey, King James, since you're calling someone else a faker, let's all enjoy your book report on the autobiography of Malcolm X. Enjoy it, y'all. Or excuse me. Enjoy, if you all haven't seen this shit. And it's a video of LeBron supposedly reading the book during the NBA playoffs. The world's biggest star weighing in to mock a teenager claiming self-defense and the deaths of two people during his trial is totally normal behavior. Unbelievable. Hey, King James, since you have time to make fun of a teenager in court, surely you have time to announce your support of human rights in China, right? Figured out what's happening in Hong Kong yet? Or to the Uyghurs in Chinese concentration camps? Didn't think so. Tears of the enslaved children making Nike shoes in China. Real or fake? Unbelievable. Here's one. Retweet at Reuters China comments on the Rittenhouse trial. LeBron is mad. I guess his Uyghur slaves are slacking. Those are just some of the comments from people with blue check marks. Now, in all fairness, there are people that have come out in support of LeBron James and his tweet. But I just find, personally, that a guy that's got over 50 million followers on social media that picks and chooses very selectively the things that he attacks... But again, I never see LeBron James tweeting anything in defense of the Jewish nation, the anti-Semitic attacks, such as Deshaun Jackson or Myers Leonard. You know, nothing from LeBron. He stays silent. Or the attacks in this country on Asians. Never see anything on social media from LeBron in defense of them so he is very selective with his noise when it comes to hate and I have lost all respect for LeBron James as a person not as a basketball player I separate the two I still love watching him play again I'm a huge fan of his but I am not a huge fan of LeBron James the person and again he just can't help himself he cannot help himself. What do you think about that? Do you think LeBron James is well within his right to put a, uh, a tweet of this magnitude in the murder, excuse me, in the middle of a murder trial, just because it's fashionable in this day and age to comment pretty much on everything? Obviously, the testimony from Kyle Rittenhouse yesterday or on Wednesday caused a lot of emotions from people i get that but should it be put out there in the universe by lebron james i ask you that where the hell are we going in 2021 and have you lost a lot of respect the way i have for lebron i've said this and i'm going to continue to say this i think lebron james has done more to push away fans from the game of professional basketball than any other individual that I can think of. Now you might also say there are a lot of fans that watch the NBA because of LeBron, and I would say, "Yep, yeah, you know what? You're right." Just the way a lot of fans were drawn to the M- NBA because of the way Michael Jordan played and because of Magic and because of Burden. I would say, "You know what? You're right." But I don't ever recall Magic Johnson or Larry Bird or Michael Jordan pushing NBA fans away from the sport the way LeBron James does. Now, I would also tell you that when Magic and Larry played and Michael, social media did not exist. Cell phones barely existed until, what, the early 90s or the 1990. I always tell the story of being at the earthquake at the World Series in 1989, and no one had cell phones. And the lines outside of Candlestick Park at the pay phones were forever. And we had at Channel 31, when I was covering the game, we actually had a battery-packed cell phone. It basically looked like the size of a car battery with a phone on top of it. And it was heavy. And we literally had people begging us, begging us to use the phone, offering us $20 And we couldn't do that because we needed to make sure that our phone had enough battery power because after the World Series, my photographer and I went into San Francisco and became, instead of sports, we became a news reporter and that was our job that night and we needed a phone that worked. So we couldn't allow people who were begging us to use our phone because the line at the payphone was too long getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I'm trying to make a point. LeBron James, in my opinion, has done more to push fans away from the NBA than any player that I can think of. And it's a shame for me personally because I love the guy as a basketball player. Love watching him play. And that will not change. That will not change. And if I happen to be at a game in LeBron James last year, I will give him a standing ovation as a basketball player because I have thoroughly loved and enjoyed watching him play and being blessed enough, by the way, to announce two of his games every year and sometimes towards the end more because, obviously, he was playing in the Western Conference. But most of his games, as we know, were with the Cavaliers and the Miami Heat. But as a person, I've really lost a ton of respect for him. I really have. All right, let's get to our crowd, culture or crowd Ultra Q&A. If you want to ask me a question on Crowd Ultra, just go to crowdultra.com, and maybe I'll answer your question right here on my podcast. Jimmy asked, do you miss the physicality in sports from the 80s and 90s? I sure as heck do. I really do. More so in the NFL than anything else. But Yeah. I, I, I absolutely do. But things aren't changing. Things are never going back to the way they used to be. But certainly a very good question. Kevin asked, do you agree with Scott Boris saying tanking led to the Braves winning the World Series? I'd have to really analyze that and see what is it that they received in draft picks for tanking and how do those players do. I, I've never really analyzed that. But. You know, Scott Boris is a super agent, certainly knows a lot more about this than I do. Regardless, they won the World Series, and you can't ever take that away from him. Mitch asked, what would you change about the NCAA football ranking system? Fabulous question. Fabulous question. I I don't know the answer to that question, but to me, if you're Cincinnati and you play an entire year of football and you only play one ranked team then you should be ineligible in my opinion to play in the college football playoff. I don't know what type of stipulations you would put in there Mitch but I I think that's a very good question and yes I do believe that there needs to be there needs to be a change to the way the rankings occur? I don't know what it would be, but it's a very, very good question. Ian asked, do you think Henry Ruggs' lawyers want his medical records to not be released because of CTE? No. CTE is diagnosed after the individual dies with the dissection when they dissect the brain. That's how you uh, determine CTE. To the best of my knowledge, CTE is uh, post-death, and that's why you see a lot of families, when loved ones die, they donate their brain for the study of a CTE. That's, that's what I think. I, I don't know why they would want his medical records not to be released, but I don't think CTE has anything to do with it. I would also say, and I'm not a neurologist, so I'm just saying this, I, I find it highly unlikely... That a wide receiver of his age, being so young, would have CTE or at least CTE in advanced stage. All right. I may be wrong. I'm not a neurologist, but I'm just saying just on the surface, I would find that uh, hard to believe. Zach asked, after Gruden, Ruggs, and Arnett, could the Raiders be more of a disaster franchise than in the Washington football team. Yeah, they could. Absolutely. Uh, It's been a horrible couple of weeks for the Raiders, and then in the span of a week, your top two first-round draft picks from 2020 are released from the team. That's what you call a bad week in the National Football League. So, yeah, I I guess, Zach, uh, I, I guess you could go that way. Absolutely. Colby asked, the A's said... They're willing to trade vets. Do you think they're starting to go through a full rebuild? They've always been willing to trade vets, Colby, and they always seem to have players coming up through the farm system that end up being phenoms and they end up being right where they are. I think losing Bob Melvin is a horrible, horrible decision by ownership. I think he's going to do a tremendous job in San Diego Blake asked what do you think about that Bears taunting penalty everyone knows that it's an emphasis this year in the National Football League I wasn't on the field so I did not hear what was being said but referees and officials have been told to crack down and that taunting is a point of emphasis so for that reason I guess I'm okay with it and I thought Mike Tomlin's comments after the game were the next day were pretty spot on that the NFL has a responsibility, particularly to the younger generation and the sports fans about conduct and everything else, and he is all for it. And I'm a huge Mike Tomlin fan, and I do not disagree with him saying that. Dylan asked, do you agree with what Damian Lillard said about refereeing being unacceptable? Unacceptable? I think it's too strong. I don't know if he should have said unacceptable. I know he's upset about the way... You know, talking about the new rule emphasis, um, but unacceptable. I don't think, I don't, I don't agree with that. I do not agree with that. Josh asked, are you surprised the Panthers signed Cam Newton? I am surprised. I am surprised. You know, they obviously have a lot of issues at quarterback right now, and uh, we'll see. You know, it's going to, it could be a really good comeback story for Newton, who, let's face it, was great MVP, trip to the Super Bowl, uh, uh, it could be a really storybook ending in Carolina for Cam Newton, and of course Odell Beckham uh, going to uh, the Rams. So very interesting. Uh, Corey wants to know: Should Aaron Rodgers and the Packers organization have been fined for what he did? They were fine, but it was the joke. Rodgers uh, fined fourteen grand. The Packers fined three hundred grand. Yet CeeDee Lamb gets fined twenty grand for having a shirt untucked. I mean, what wh- what an embarrassment! How awful is that? You know, again, I just, the NFL doesn't make any sense to me. They really don't. Brian wants to know, do you think Robert Sarver's situation will turn out similar to Donald Sterling's? I don't know enough about the Robert Sarver accusations and the investigation to say it's going to turn out similar to Donald Sterling's. If you mean he will have to relinquish ownership of the team, I could see that, if that's what you mean. Ricky asks, have you seen Darren Williams is going to be boxing Frank Gore? And who do you think wins that fight? Ricky, who the hell cares? Why, Ricky, why would you give a damn about Darren Williams fighting Frank Gore? Who cares? And you know, who cares who wins? Like, why would you even waste your time with that? Like, that, that excites you? That excites you? Come on now. How many years away is Lamelo to being an all-star, Jay asked. I think it's going to happen sooner than later, I'll tell you that. Guy looks like he's having a heck of a a start to his career. All right. Don't forget, next week, I'll be happy to answer your question. Just go to crowdultra.com, and maybe I'll answer it right here on the podcast. It's time for Rant. Today's rant is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella for all of your home loan needs. If you are in the market for a new home, thinking of doing a refi, don't know whether it is time or not, Well, I had a recent conversation with Roy, and he sees big changes on the horizon as it relates to the housing market and home loans. So just get in touch with Roy and his staff. You'll be glad that you did. I've used Roy for years. They are incredible. Just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. Game two of a four-game road trip tonight for the Kings. Wednesday night, they started their road trip in San Antonio, and they looked flat-out awful, giving up 136 points. It was their worst performance of the year, and the Kings have now lost five of seven. Do I think the Kings are as bad as they showed in San Antonio? No. Do I think they're as good as they showed against Charlotte? No. But I do know this, okay? It's a bottom-line league. You either win or you lose. And who would have thought that in year number two, Tyrese Halliburton could be the Kings' most viable player? The Kings look lost, absolutely lost, without him on the floor. Hopefully he can go tonight as the Kings try to even up this road trip at a game apiece. I talked about this yesterday in my rant. Who the hell knows what's going on with Marvin Bagley, but the Kings need to get back to finding some heart and some grit and play like they care. I mean, looking at all the messages and all of my social media interaction, fans are like, gee, the Kings are giving up already. They don't care. They don't look like they have any heart. I mean, we're not even in the Thanksgiving yet. That's freaking unacceptable. Get out there and play a spirited game and play like you care. Because if you don't, when you come home from this road trip, you'll be lucky to have 10,000 people at your games. And you can't blame the fans. They're tired of this. They're impatient. They should be impatient. They need to see heart. They need to see grit. They need to see effort. And they certainly need to see a player when he's told to go into a game by a coach, get your ass on the floor and play. It's a bad, bad look. And that's my rant for today. And that's my podcast for today thank you so much for joining us here have yourself a great weekend and as always great to have you here if you don't like that with grant napier okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club